Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. My last two episodes were about bad magic, including magic that hurts people and occasionally might even leave them dead. Oh my gosh, it is time for a different subject. Today, let's talk about good magic. And what does that mean? Well, I suppose it means magic that entertains, or even better, educates and entertains, or at its absolute best, educates, entertains, and inspires. When I meet somebody new and I find out I'm a magician, one of the things they may ask me is, what's your favorite trick? And I won't say I don't have an answer, but I have multiple answers because it depends on the situation. My very first trick was the coin slider, magic coin box, made in Japan back then, a little wooden box that made a penny, a nickel, or a dime appear or disappear or change one to the other. That was the trick that my grandpa gave me that uh, he got at the Buckhorn Museum in San Antonio, where he was the manager. And that was the summer of 1949. I was six years old, living in my hometown of Del Rio, Texas. So in some ways, I suppose that's my favorite trick. And in fact, I have taken that exact trick. Well, I had to buy a new one. And now they're made in China, not in Japan. But it looks the same, even has the same decal on the front of it. I created a little something different with it and uh, now have my own original version of that very well-known magic set trick. But when we're talking about small tricks, would it have been something from the Gilbert Misto magic set? Not really. I think my favorite small trick is the ball and vase. In fact, I actually was interviewed for the Society of American Magicians video library, and it was the ball and vase that I talked about. I have a routine with the ball and vase that can easily take 15 minutes. I used to do this at Magic Camp. I would occasionally do it for the Magic Clubs and would always get uh, amazing response because it's just a little plastic trick. The way I was introduced to it was the first time I ever went to a magic store, and I've told that story before. In one of the early podcasts, it was the Fun and Magic Shop in San Antonio, Texas. Louis Berkey was the proprietor. And the first time I walked in with my mom, he said, Hey, hotshot, what are you going to buy? Hey, let me show you a trick. He had the S.S. Adams wooden ball and vase, red with a black ball. He showed me the ball and the vase, had me blow on it. The ball disappeared. Then it appeared in his pocket, or he put it in his pocket, and it reappeared in the vase. I don't remember the specific routine, but I do remember I loved the trick, the ball and vase trick. The first time I ever got paid to do a magic show, which was in 1953, I was 10 years old. That's the show that my uncle booked me, my Uncle Vernon, my dad's brother, for the Junior Modern Woodman Club in uh, San Antonio, and I'm sure I've told that story before as well, but to save you from going back, just very briefly, I think it was about a 30 to 45 minute show. 
but I was so nervous at 10 years old, so afraid of getting up and talking in front of an audience that my dad came and acted like a carnival barker at the side of the stage saying, and now Misto the Magician will make the ball disappear. And look, it reappears in the other vase. Oh, did I tell you? I had two ball and vase tricks. I'm pretty sure that one of them I bought or my mom bought for me that first time I went to the magic store. And then one of my grandparents probably went to the magic store to get me a trick for my birthday or something. And Berkey showed them the ball and vase. And so they bought it. So I had two of them. So in my first pay show, I had a ball and vase on each side of the stage. I made the ball appear in one and disappear in the other and go back and forth. You know, even today, the ball and vase trick is one of my favorites. When I was featured in MUM magazine, the uh, official organ of the Society of American Magicians, I furnished a few tricks that I had invented. Maybe not invented the tricks, but invented the routines that went with them. And a kiss for the ball and vase, or a kiss for my favorite trick, was one of them. A full page showed a picture of my performing the ball and vase. What I added to it was at the very end of the routine, I would have someone in the audience blow a kiss to the ball and vase. And the ball didn't just disappear, it turned into a Hershey's kiss, which I gave to the person that blew the kiss to me. And... Uh, if you want to know exactly how that was done, you can look it up in an old, old, old issue of MUM Magazine. How old was it? Well, of course I have a copy of it right here at the Fantastic Magic Center. And on the cover it says December 1995. And oh, there's actually one, two, three, four pictures of me on the cover. And the center one, the largest one, I'm performing the ball and vase. But wait. I have a red silk handkerchief. Well, there's another story, because I call the ball and vase my $500 trick. Uh, I would always teach it at Magic Camp, fantastic Magic Camp, that I started in 1993, the year that I turned 50. And that story is in an old episode of this podcast as well. But as I often do, I digress. I would tell the kids, I'm going to teach them after lunch my $500 trick. And here's that story. The San Antonio Magic Shootout. Larry Birdsell, the proprietor of the Clown Factory in San Antonio, Texas, had lots of magic in addition to lots of clowning props and costumes and that sort of thing. In July of 1988, he created the San Antonio Magic Shootout. And it was a competition for magicians. And they had both stage and close-up competition. And of course, I entered stage. I may have told you that story if I got confused and went overtime and therefore was not eligible to win, even though I thought I was wonderful. And the judges later told me they thought I was wonderful too. Ha, sigh. Oh, I just digressed again. My gosh, I'm getting very good at that. But the reason for bringing up the San Antonio Magic Shootout in this particular episode is that, of course, I entered the stage competition. That's what I did. I won my first trophy as a magician in 1960 in the Texas Association of Magicians Teenage Contest with a stage act. 
stage act is what I did. I was not a close-up specialist. I mean, of course, I knew how to do small tricks, but uh, close-up magic wasn't what I specialized in by any means. And I thought, you know, I should extend myself. I should go ahead and enter the close-up contest. I didn't have a close-up act, but I took a handful of magic set tricks, little tricks like you literally find in magic sets at the toy stores, and put together a routine using them. Of course, one of the main things I used was a ball and vase, and I used a version of the ball and vase where the red ball turns into a red silk handkerchief, and then I make the red silk handkerchief disappear, then it reappears in the ball and vase. That was all part of a carefully crafted routine, which I was quite proud of. I did not win the $1,000 first place close-up, nor did I win the $750 second place. But when they announced the $500 third place prize, it was the fantastic Kent Cummins. I actually won third place in my first, and in fact, my only close-up contest. And Harry Blackstone Jr. was the one who presented me with my award on stage. The ball and vase is the $500 trick. It's my favorite trick. Versions of it appear in the oldest books on conjuring. It's obviously a trick that's been around forever. When I first started playing with it, the shape of it was such that it reminded me of my grandmother's house and having soft-boiled eggs. I have never really loved soft-boiled eggs, but anything at my grandma's house, of course, was fun and interesting, and she had some wonderful china egg vases. And they were about the same shape as the Adams ball and vase, just bigger to hold an egg. And apparently I'm not the only one because the SS Adams Company later on made a bigger one. And instead of the ball and vase, they called it the egg vase or the magic egg vase or something like that. I created a whole nother routine with it using a chicken puppet and the egg vase and a few other tricks. It never became a regular part of my show. One more story about the ball and vase. I was the program director for about 10 years for Dave Goodsell's West Coast Wizards Magic Camp in uh, Idlewild, California. And after the camp, Dave and I would go do some interesting things and then do after action to see how to improve the camp for the next year. One of the interesting things that we did one year was to go to Owen Magic Supreme. If you're a longtime magician, you've heard of Owen Magic Supreme in the 20th century. They were the, I would say the dominant manufacturers of incredible magic, including the big stage illusions. And if you're not a magician, then I just told you why they're important. Anyway, we went to see Owen's Magic Supreme. When we went into their big manufacturing room, they were making a ball and vase. They were making a ball and vase to fit a regulation NBA basketball, and they had the thing up on this giant lathe. It looked like they were making something that looked very much like my little ball and vase, only much, much, much bigger. My assumption is that that was for a special halftime show for uh, probably the Orlando Magic. That would be the logical team. But anyway, I just thought that was amazing. Clearly the biggest bowling base I'd ever seen. 
and the smallest one is one of many that are in my collection. And if you come by the Magic Center, I'll be happy to show you the ones in my collection. But that's not where this particular story ends. It ends in the gift shop. You see, afterwards we went to the gift shop and they had lots of balls and vases that were handcrafted or machined out of wood and they were beautiful. And there was one in particular and I'm not sure I remember the exact prices, but this is close enough to understand the story. There was one that cost, say, $225. And it was absolutely beautiful. I've already told you I collect balls and vases. On the other hand, I may have also told you I'm married to a bookkeeper. Margot worries about the money, and somebody needs to. I don't. And so... It's like, how can I tell Margot that I spent more than $200 on a ball and vase trick that I'm probably not even going to perform? It's just for my collection. And then I thought, well, now I've been working hard and I've been making money as a magician. I'm allowed to occasionally just buy myself a treat. That's not unreasonable. And so I told the man behind the counter, I said, okay, I'll take that. And he said, do you want the uh, box that it uh, is stored in? And I said, what? And so he showed me this beautiful wooden box with velvet lining and explained that if we didn't get the box, that the ball and vase itself might get dinged and damaged. And so, well, yeah, of course I need the box. And the box cost $300. It was gorgeous, but... I had worked up enough nerve to tell Margot that I had spent a couple hundred bucks on a ball and vase. I didn't have enough nerve to tell her how much I would have spent on that carrying case. And so I didn't buy it. And so you won't be able to see that particular one as part of my collection when you come to the fantastic Magic Center here in Georgetown, Texas. The ball and vase, definitely one of my favorite tricks it was the favorite trick of my mentor, Louis Berkey. But I have other favorite tricks as well. Tune in next week and I'll tell you about the square circle. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button. <laughs>